Welcome to Mending Fences, a podcast about effective ways to communicate and live with differences. I'm Patrice Bremner. And I'm Jen Hawthorne. We're both family law mediators and collaborative law attorneys, but our conversations go well beyond family law. We explore the personal, interpersonal, legal, and cultural impact of conflict. Hi, and welcome back to Mending Fences. I'm Jen Hawthorne, and I am here with Patrice Brimner today. And we are going to talk about something I'm not aware of yet. Patrice um, has a topic in mind, and we're going to do something a little different today. And she's going to let us know. Patrice, what is it that you want to talk about today? Thanks, Jen. Um, I really want to talk about co-parenting and the challenges of co-parenting through holidays or other unexpected twists and turns of parenting. And I've had occasion recently in my parenting, in my own parenting, in my family, and also with clients to watch the benefit of kind of laying the groundwork and building a foundation of good communication ahead of time. So it's been much on my mind and I've been wanting to talk to you about it, Jen. Great. Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful and timely topic, given that we're right between Thanksgiving and Christmas as Patrice and I are recording this. Yeah, so we're recording almost a week after Thanksgiving. And, you know, and I know it's it's a stress, it can be a really stressful time for everybody. And wherever you might be in your reconfiguration of your family, if you're getting divorced, or if you're thinking about it, or you did a couple of years ago, if you've got kids, you might be dealing with, you know, those the and so in our little chat before we started recording, Jen and I were talking about in her house, kids who were sick in a blended family and going to different houses for Thanksgiving and coordinating with different family members. And I was talking about unexpected kind of medical issue that's come up in our family. And parents don't always see these things the same way when they're married to each other, let alone separately. That's definitely true. And I think, you know, you mentioned blending. I'm now in a position when you're newly married and you're figuring out how to share holidays between the, the families for just the folks who just got married, the, the spouses. That can be complicated because you're balancing between households and things like that. So even without bringing illness into it, you're divorced. So there's extended families on both sides. And then you blend with somebody else. And all of a sudden, you have like four or five families often that you're trying to figure out how are we going to celebrate the holidays as our household family? How are we going to make sure the children celebrate with all of their extended families? It is super complicated. Yeah, Yeah. and there can be a lot of unexpected. So even if we're sitting in a mediation with folks or in a collaborative law setting, I really like to take the time to help people talk through what is this going to look like when you're living it? It's not just a schedule on paper, but what is this going to really look like? And what, how will you communicate with each other if you need to make changes or if something comes up? And as the children grow, when do they get to start saying, I like Thanksgiving with this grandparent, but not that one or, and taking the time. And and it's what I like so much about the work we do, we can take the time to have these conversations and and not just, you know, say this schedule looks fair. Right. 
Right. I, I have definitely gotten proposals from attorneys who haven't done a lot of out of court work before where it is literally a cookie cutter schedule that isn't based at all on those particular folks, traditions, families, preferences, like nothing. Um, So I couldn't agree with you more, Patrice, that I think the work that we do offers it or lends an opportunity to create a schedule that's really tailored to like, what do they actually want it to look like after um, when they start celebrating the holidays? And I think what we do lays a really great foundation we're having the ability to communicate with each other and build in process choices right into the agreement for what do you do when things happen? Like, what do you do when there's an overlap in your illness provision and a holiday? Like, how are you working through that? How are you communicating with each other? What methods are you using to communicate? And just as a, as a divorced parent, something to throw in here, not as a practitioner, I know, I know this actually professionally too, but Folks who are just sitting there listening to this, who are just getting divorced, know that how you do that is likely to change over the years as well. How, you know, what my parenting plan, I'll put this out publicly, says we do for the holidays and what we actually do for the holidays isn't actually always the same thing. And we have found a way to work through making sure it works for our kids. I think it's just that foundation, the communication skills that can be experienced in mediation or in a collaborative process can give people a glimpse of what they can build on afterwards. And so if you come up with a you know, a schedule, and I like to tell people, we're going to come up with a schedule that's the fallback. This is what would theoretically be enforceable if a court needed to enforce it. But whatever you do from year to year as long as you're doing it by mutual agreement and they and, and and you are communicating with each other and kind of staying true to the things that you I'm talking to the the parties that you've understood from each other about what's important and where your shared interests are in how you navigate anything with your kids whether it's something school related or something illness related or whatever it is and I guess, well, I'm going to jump back a bit to to the holiday thing, because I think there are a lot of things that can come up around the holidays that people might not realize will be different when they're separated. So it's not just, you know, whose house do you want to go to for Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever or whatever holiday it is that, you know, it, and maybe families celebrate Sometimes it's easy, like one family on one side, they always do Christmas and they always go to some destination where the grandparents live and maybe the other parent says, fine, you can keep doing that. It's not meaningful to me. I want my kids to have that. And maybe it's really easy. Or maybe you need to come up with some kind of alternating schedule from year to year that the kids will go back and forth or whatever. There's lots of different ways to do it and creativity around Physically, where will the children be and who will they be with on a given day? So there's the scheduling. Then there's like we were just talking about the kind of unknowns that creep up with illness or changes that you'll have to deal with on the fly. Some other things I've seen come up over the years, and I want to hear what you what what you think about this, Jen, is you know, when kids are depending on the age of the kids age-appropriate gifts or 
amounts so that there's not some disparity between households of what Santa brought, for instance, just what those expectations can be. Do you want to keep talking about it? I know some parents continue to do that jointly, even after divorce, other families decide not to. And I'm wondering what you've seen and what your experience has been around that. So I have had some clients who have for birthdays and big holidays have provisions around doing shared gifts still so that whatever their children's biggest gifts are, are still coming from both of them. In my personal life, I know that in and of itself can get really complicated. Again, like, so there's stages of this. There's when you're first separated and you're working it out. I think it can really work really well for children to still feel like both of their parents are involved in the gift giving and things like that, if you can manage it. I think it, there's a definite problem if they're feeling like they're getting, or the children might have a problem with feeling like they're getting a lot from one parent and not the other. And so making sure you're trying to balance that out is really important. But then life moves on and many, many people end up in a blended family. And then you're taking expectations from two different groups of children around how they have always received gifts and how much and how those traditions have happened. And you have to work really hard to blend those together and to figure out what the right balance is while still bearing in mind they have two parents who are not in a relationship with each other, right? So there's four parents involved all of a sudden, or maybe more if if somebody else is also in a blended family. And so I think you've said this a couple of times, Patrice, but I think really good communication is fundamental there to making sure that you're creating the fun, festive holidays that I think all parents aim to provide to their children. Because you have to make sure that there isn't that hostility coming into it and that you're taking into account all of the different stakeholders' interests. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely. And I think it's, it's, there's an opportunity. And I know I've said this before, but an opportunity in these out of court process options to have these conversations openly, maybe more than once, to start to build that foundation and, and start to understand where are our shared interests? What do we agree on? You know, where can we kind of decide, like, as parents, you're still parents of the same children. As parents, what's important to us for our kids and how do we bring that to life in a way that is predictable enough and flexible enough? Yes. And I think we should mention while we're talking about this that that mediation isn't just for when you're getting divorced. Like as you were just speaking, Patrice, it, it popped into my head. Like we have not talked about this on this podcast at all. But mediation doesn't have to be with just two parties. So if there are folks sitting out there listening who are thinking, well, yeah, it would be great to talk about these issues with my new partner's ex-spouse. That's an opportunity because you are all in some fashion, if you are living in the house with children, you are parenting them in some fashion. And so having ongoing conversations about how these children are being parented and how holidays are being celebrated, perhaps some folks are able to do that out of the presence of a professional. But mediation would be a great place to bring that conversation if you're having trouble navigating a blended family as well. Yeah, there are a lot of conversations we could have about blended family issues that are, you know, it's challenging to bring some of that up 
during a divorce process because it's really, it, it seems so remote. It feels too vulnerable for some people to talk about right then because they're sitting with that at that moment. Right. I mean, it's you, you kind of want to finish one relationship before you start yeah. talking about what's going to happen with the next one. Sometimes you know there there may be another relationship developing and sometimes that's not even in no one's mind yet. We don't right. know, Agreed. but it's hard to build into a divorce agreement what will happen around you know, the blended family issues. And so the option of going back to mediation or back to the collaborative table is really a good one, like knowing that you can come back. Yeah, the holidays are a busy, busy time for everybody and how you spend that time with your children and how much you get to really enjoy that with them can rest on how well you had the conversations ahead of time. Absolutely. And I don't know where you usually start in this conversation with clients, but my very first question when we start developing a holiday schedule is you tell me what are your holidays? holidays Family's holidays are different. What have the traditions been? Like what, and there's usually some consensus that kids will probably want to continue doing. Right. Not always, but there's usually something like, you know, some built-in understanding. Yeah. And and I have found in many cases, that's actually a place where folks have an opportunity to acknowledge the other person's extended family. So I've had many, many situations where when we're making that list, the other person will say, but what about your your mom really likes to do this or your dad really likes to do this on this day? Should we add that to this list? And so it's a place to recognize that your children are still going to have both extended families in their lives forever. And so making sure that you're building a parenting plan and a holiday schedule that facilitates them seeing all of the, participating in all of those holidays and traditions still, as many as possible. Of course, there's overlaps and we don't want to make it sound like we're not aware that sometimes it's not possible to do all the things every year for the children. There's right. an opportunity to talk about how to balance that. I want to wrap up this topic with just this story from my life. I'm married. I've never been divorced, but my parents were both divorced multiple times when I was a child. And so I was the kid that bounced around from house to house. And, and the way my parents did it without ever consulting me or my sibling was that we would start in our mom's house and then halfway through the day, we would go to dad's on Christmas day. And we hated it. <laughs> we really hated it because it was always, it was a travel day. It wasn't a stay home and chill day. And and our parents lived kind of far apart. So it was, it was like an hour in a car maybe. And as mm -hmm. we got older, sometimes it was public transportation, which would take hours. And it was not fun. We couldn't stand it. And we couldn't wait to be old enough to just say, no, we're not going anywhere. But our parents had built a foundation as co-parents in other ways that was so beautiful and so mutually supportive of each other as they developed in their lives. In my first apartment, I was in my early 20s one Christmas, I decided I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to make them all come to me. And I invited my parents, their spouses, you know, everybody, and everyone came. And it was the best Christmas for everyone. My father afterwards said it was the best Christmas of his life. 
because everybody was together and everyone was fine with each other. And we did it that way every year for the rest of his life. We just rotated from my house to my mother's house to my father's house. And it was really a blended family. That's amazing. Yeah. So it paid off. It took many years, but it really paid off. So I I mean, that's always in the back of my mind that not that it is anybody's goal or that you'd ever want to, but it was because of their mutual respect for each other over a long time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think my sharing this story will upset anybody and apologies out there to those of you involved if it does. Last week on Thanksgiving Day, my bonus daughters were with their mom, but at my house were my three kids, my mom, my partner, and my ex-husband. And we actually had a really nice, relaxed meal. And my kid's dad hung out with us, you know, into the evening. And I could see, especially on my middle guy, he he feels the, not that he feels the divorce more than my other children, but he feels the um, division between me and his father at times in a more clear way. It's obvious on his face sometimes. He was thrilled. And so... Sometimes as parents, we have to do things that might not be our favorite things to do, but they are our children's favorite things to do. And I'm so glad, Patrice, to hear that your family got there as well. Yeah. And I know that's not, it shouldn't be the expectation and it's not necessarily the goal. It's not what It's not always the best thing for everybody. Absolutely. it's, It's considering really what are everyone's needs, interests, and goals and recognizing that we talk about those things in mediation and in the collaborative process but they're ongoing because for as long as you're co-parents, you have to look at each other's needs, interests, and goals because your needs, interests, and goals affect your children. Yeah. Constantly. Absolutely. Well, this was a great conversation, Jen. Agreed, Patrice. I think it was a great topic. I'm glad you surprised me with it. We'll keep talking. Yes, we will. 